Hey, Joe. How you doing? Hey, Drew. I'm I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I feel like we've uh, so I like that we get to start the podcast out pretending that we're just saying hello to each other, even though we've already <laughs> been on the call. But at the same time, it does sort of feel like this is the first time I'm saying hello to you. I've been. You've been a little distracted this morning. We've yeah on our on our previous call. Well, the whole thing's just been thrown up in the air you know we had a plan for the day and that is no longer the plan for the day um yeah so we're just kind of winging this podcast episode yep people we were gonna gonna interview their minds whenever they hop on here and they're like wait a second you guys (laughs) don't have a plan today (laughs) uh yeah yeah, we were going to talk to uh, uh, Joseph Jay Leavitt Pearl, Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, the one. Justin. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Whenever you said it before, I was like, "Why are we talking to the guy from Inception?" Um, <laughs> yeah, talking to Justin from the Sun. <laughs> um, he's been on the podcast before, of course, to talk to us about uh, family values. Right. And we brought him back because we're going to get into a conversation today. We actually started it last week, and we're going to keep it going today about um, what Jesus has to say around nonviolent action. Yeah. And Justin is an activist, and he's a uh, philosophically a proponent of certain kinds of violent protest. Um, so he's going to talk to us about why that is and, and what he thinks is the role of violence in protests and how, like, basically how can we, um, understand the teachings of Jesus here that we're digging into for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And he was going to join us today, but we're going to, we're going to flop that around. Yep. That's all good. And, and the reason that we've arrived at the place where we are today is, um, we kind of jumped into this conversation last week, which, I mean, by the way, it took us forever to get to it, full disclosure. Yeah. We both read an article Talking about some other stuff the night before our podcast and got on and ended up having a whole podcast about that article instead of the Bible. Um, but then once we did get into the, the nonviolent stuff, the turn the other cheek, the, um, we realized there's so much more that needs to be said about this and probably other people would be bring on the conversation um, and so uh, now this is becoming a series within a series. Uh, <laughs> right. And yeah. let's roll out a jingle and uh, see where see where the winds take us today. Preacher is Jesus, a white guy, and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? Yeah. So before we... Before we talk about I'm gonna pull up Jesus, your, I wanted to say I something pull up about the passage again. Oh yeah, it's uh, so five thirty-eight to forty-two. Ooh, I could use a paper Bible here. 
these full disclosure these don't get used much anymore <laughs> so <laughs> Might as well <laughs> pull them out when we can okay what were you saying <laughs> blow the dust off <laughs> um okay so before we talk about the teachings of Jesus i wanted to tell you something about Jesus oh yeah which is that <laughs> i posted um a picture the other day on Facebook on my this was my personal page it was a picture of like Christ uh, literally depicted as as he is described in Revelation 5 which is a lamb oh cute right but it's like a lamb with its throat slit and it has seven eyes and seven horns and it's real creepy looking monster kind of thing so i posted yep. that and then um Someone reminded me, somebody commented on that post and said, hey, when are you going to talk to the podcast about your ugly Jesus collection that you used to have, <laughs> which I had entirely forgotten about. I see your eyes light up like you remember yeah, it as well now. I do. I did have a collection of ugly Jesus pictures and figurines. Um. I'll say this wasn't my idea. It was somebody else who who did also the same thing um, and told me about it, and I started doing it. And the the point was, this guy said this was like in high school. I had this, uh, and actually, it was a it was like a speaker, like a camp church camp speaker or whatever that came through, and he said he collects these ugly Jesuses to get them. This is a really poor understanding of economics. <laughs> but he said, I buy these things. When I see them at the store, I buy them to get them off the market. Like, so nobody will see them. I don't want anybody to see what these ugly Jesus is. So I buy them. <laughs> well, so I started doing the same thing, started this crusade. And I had quite a collection um, of just little, like, plastic Jesus figurines. Yeah, I remember. I remember very, all of the sort of white american like uh cartooned up um and then i remember also having um we had a a mutual friend uh in drew the person that actually you did some a fair amount of uh evangelizing by way of putting cards in uh oh beer, oh yeah yeah uh yeah right beer boxes yeah and uh he had a shirt that just said it was just an ugly Jesus and then it said Jesus is a friend of mine or something like that I don't know and I always thought it was a really cool shirt and Jesus is my homeboy yeah it was something to that effect I don't know it it was something to that effect and I told him um that it was a great shirt and at one point I was even like yeah that's a really great shirt I can I have it please um (laughs) and I was just obviously (laughs) like that's a joke like you it's the shirt off of his back. Um, and he said no. And then years later, he reached out to me like on social media or something like that and asked me for my address. And <laughs> eventually like shipped me that shirt with a oh, note in it. Oh, that's so nice. The note said, uh, you asked me for this shirt once and I said no. And that wasn't cool. I should have just given it to you. So here. 
<laughs> That's so. very Drew thing to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to live riddled with guilt for 10 years. For <laughs> <laughs> because not giving you the shirt off his back. Yeah. No. Um, and I actually... Uh, just so everyone knows that this is actually probably more of a funny thing than anything. When we say it's a very Drew thing to do, yes, a very kind, generous, wonderful, wonderful person. Also, the kind of person that would just do something like that because it was funny to him. Like, I, <laughs> I think yeah, right. he more likely sent that because it was a funny 10-year joke um, than actually feeling guilty for telling me no that he wouldn't give me the shirt that he was wearing in high school um <laughs> yeah yeah i don't so i That's don't great. know what, what happened, happened to well the, i guess what happened to the jesus collection well about 10 years ago that's gotta um, be worth tens of dollars <laughs> uh <laughs> about 10 10 or 11 years ago my parents had a house fire and so the the jesus oh, that's is right that's right burned up do you wait 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 symbolic i'm sure this has been discussed before i'm sure you've i'm sure that you have uh had many a sleepless nights considering this do you think the disrespectful distasteful collection of ugly jesuses in your parents house had anything to do <laughs> with the house fire because <laughs> god uh, loves to judge things with fire that's as you know true. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of true. his favorite. Uh, um, gee, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Well, you should. I hope you do now. I, it's, I'm I'm gonna be up late tonight. <laughs> uh, well, let's not uh, belabor this too long today, because I think um, we have a lot to say. Hey, you asked me about a guy yesterday. Oh, <laughs> Corey, is that related to any? Not really. I mean, I'll tell you what I was thinking about. I was watching the Goldbergs, uh, okay. and there's an episode where they get a boot on their car, you know? Yep. Um, and it reminded me, like, there's there's legend of, although I didn't witness this, and I don't remember where I heard it, and I think it was about Corey Hunter, that he got a boot put on his car at Woodrow Wilson high school like in the parking lot for parking where he wasn't supposed to or something and that he kicked it off oh. which sounds crazy yeah sounds yeah. like you can't kick a boot off your car but i did witness this um which makes me think well who the fuck knows um remember in in like the early 2000s it was cool to wear safety pins on your cargo shorts yep like clip to your pockets so one time at the in the parking lot of Woodrow Wilson, I locked my keys in my car. And so we're all going to leave. Uh, and I'm like, well, I locked my keys in my car. I don't know what to do. And Corey Hunter was standing there and he had not a large, a small, like, you know, half inch safety pin on his cargo shorts. And he took them off and he walked over to my car and in 10 seconds... He unlocked the door of my car with that safety pin. <laughs> and I said, how did you do that? And he said, I'm a badass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is remarkable. That's excellent. I mean, I I bet he kicked the boot off then. 
I mean, he might have. You know, also just to uh, not to take away from um, from his title or anything like that. You're also dealing with uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, Mall Cop Security. That's, <laughs> that, that's who put <laughs> that's the boot true. on. So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and West Virginia public school budgets. So, <laughs> like, who knows what that well, boot is made of? Uh, if it's even a real boot, or if it's just you know to try to get kids <laughs> to cry. Um, the car that he broke into with safety pin was the can, which okay. we have alluded to previously. I think. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, the security here, <laughs> to go to your point, just might not be up to par. <laughs> but he learned how to he learned how to manipulate that system. Um, that's a really great story. Uh, Matthew five, Matthew five. We've been in Matthew five for a year doing this podcast. Yeah. Well, we get distracted. Yeah. We're actually, we're, we're now like talking through the Bible on a podcast the way that I think most people who claim to read the Bible, read the Bible where they're like, okay, well I'm reading John. I have been reading John <laughs> since I was 17 uh and I I'm getting close. <laughs> like that's yeah. That's uh that's exactly how I think most evangelical Bible readers read the Bible. They end up with uh for us it was always um it was always James. You'd ask like youth group kids hmm. like what's your favorite book of the Bible? They'd be like James. Is that because that's the only one you've ever read and it's like, well, I mean, I haven't finished it yet, but <laughs> <laughs> for people who don't know the Bible, uh, that's not a joke. That's actually something I can remember hearing lots of times from like youth that's group funny. kids. Uh, James has like five or six chapters. I, I always think. did the uh, like. <laughs> it's it's literally like three pages. I long. started every year in January, reading yeah. through the Bible. Yep. And I, you know, I usually made it through like Genesis, through through the flood, basically. Right. Right. <laughs> got, through, got through like day two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like this is the same stuff all over again. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you. All right, Matthew. Um, okay, so I can't remember what we did last week, but I know. Okay, let's just read this passage again, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Here you go. Because you might not have listened to last week. I don't know. You're just jumping in. You it's true. You do your podcast how you want. You have heard it said. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also a second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. That's ridiculous. Yeah, which I mean, on, honestly, like I'm just just looking at it again and just thinking, anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat as well. They're like, well, well, what if they're suing me for a bad cause? And if somebody <laughs> yeah. wants me to carry their things for them for a mile, I'm going to carry it with them for two. Well, what if they're a jerk? And what if they're like headed to the Capitol to? hang mike pence 
<laughs> right. And he was like, well, it I'm, seems I'm walking like- to the Capitol. Will you please carry my rifle for me? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Jesus tells me I must. Uh, yeah. I think there's yeah. there's missing there's missing context here. Um, right. And and I just you know I'm just gonna get a little a little beef off my chest at the outset of this. Okay, we're providing context. Yes, you and I. Uh, but why should we have to do that? Why are we dealing <laughs> with a text here that, taken at face value, is really ridiculous and potentially terrible advice? Sure. Well, I'm over I mean, it, Joe. I'm over. It. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Like, I think I I can't. Maybe you're being a little bit facetious as part of the like. You know, maybe it's a bit. Maybe you're serious. I'm not sure. Um, neither am I but it is <laughs> full disclosure <laughs> I really yeah. don't know it is true that like this is just how how you have to read books like you know if you were reading a newspaper from yesterday yeah there's all kinds of stories that you're gonna sort of be caught up on or like dynamics of the world that people are just going to allude to without really explaining. Whereas if you were reading a newspaper from a hundred years ago, if you were reading a newspaper from like the civil war, well, you're going to have to do some work to like know what they're talking about. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. Like the, the original audience of this text, they weren't missing context. They knew yeah. exactly what was being referred to. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, it's a it's problematic that we have to do the work because people think, well, let's just read the Bible and do exactly what it says, and that it, it'll be clear and simple, and it's just not. Yeah. And that's... Like it just- <laughs> And I am, uh, you know, obviously I am being uh, facetious, I believe is the word you used. I don't know what that word means exactly, um, but... Well, that's the point. Yeah, t- <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. I'm, I'm making a little bit of a joke here. But the joke that I'm trying to make is not at the expense of the Bible. It is at the expense of those who uh, would suggest that this type of work is unnecessary. Uh, or, or those who would suggest that, like... Um, don't tell me that it doesn't just mean what it says on the surface or don't tell me like I feel like I have experienced a lot of pushback in my life especially in evangelicalism pushback that anytime you say hey by the way one thing I know for certain about the Bible is that it wasn't written to you or for you necessarily like this is um, communication between ancient peoples uh, that had no idea that you were going to, you know, quote it in your Instagram stories and your your TikTok reels, <laughs> two thousand years later on the other side of the planet, um, to, you know, shame virgins or or <laughs> or people who lost their virginity, um, before they got married or what? Like, there is a. I fully understand. I fully see. Like that but i'm i'm frustrated by the fact that people 
don't want to admit that. I'm frustrated by the fact that people would want to say, no, let's just take it at face value. The Bible says everything that needs to be said, and we should just live exactly by what it says. Um, yeah, because when you say, oh, well, actually, here's some context, and maybe it means something different, then, then they'll say, oh, you're just interpreting, right? Yes. This is just your interpretation. Well, yeah, yeah but also... When you're reading it without any proper context, that's also an interpretation. Yeah. It's just a bad one. It's just the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> there is a um so I have a uh, all that. So okay, the the thing about this text um is I think if you given the context that that biblical scholars are pretty broadly convinced about um it is all you mentioned like, well, what if it's a jerk suing me for unjust causes? Or what if it's somebody like making me carry stuff? Cause they're a bully and they're, or they're headed to the Capitol to raid it or what? Like that is the context though. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's one, I think I mentioned this in the last one. There's a, there's some commentary by, uh, a new Testament scholar named Walter Wink on this, that, I think it was written in the eighties, the powers to be. Um, and it's convinced everybody like literally every new Testament scholar, progressive and conservative, uh, goes, okay. Yeah. Walter Wink got this passage, right? Um, and his, what he says about this passage is that every one of these things that Jesus offers are creative ways of resisting, um, in fact, there's that line, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. Um, resist is, is the English word that we've used there, but it really means something like violently resist. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it definitely has a connotation of violence. And so what Wink says is that all of these things that Jesus is giving are examples of ways to resist that are really creative and snarky. And like, just super interesting. So, um, for instance, if if someone uh, forces you to go a mile, um, so the way that, you know, Palestine in Jesus's day was Roman occupied. It was occupied by the Roman Empire, um, and there were soldiers, just like Roman soldiers, just. M- marching the streets, patrolling, walking around with their big spears. It's like, I mean, imagine if you, if Al Qaeda took over Richmond, Virginia, and there were Al Qaeda soldiers walking around with machine guns over their shoulder, just like down your block all the time. That's the kind of thing that they were dealing with. Um, And so, Roman soldiers used to force people, they would carry these big packs, you know, supplies and things. Uh, and they would say like, they would just find a peasant and say, here, I'm, I'm traveling today. You're going to carry this. Right. And sometimes peasants would be forced to walk an like carrying this pack an entire day's journey away from their house. Um, like, I mean, can you imagine, not only are you killing yourself carrying this pack for a day just because you've been conscribed to, uh, but then you're a day's walk away from home now. 
you have to take the next day off. Yeah. So you can imagine. I mean, this is like really <laughs> shitty, right? And um, and it wasn't good for public relations. And so by Jesus's day, um, we actually have these. We we know that these laws exist. Um, Roman soldiers were told, you you can force people to carry your pack, but only for one mile. You're allowed to force people one mile. And if you force them to carry your pack any more than that, um, there, are se- there are severe penalties. People are, uh, these Roman soldiers could be financially fined or even punished with prison. Um, really severe, harsh penalties for this undue burden placed on people. So they, they force somebody to walk a mile, then they stop there and that person can go on back to their day. They force somebody else to walk the next mile and so on and so forth. So they don't just overburden somebody. And if they break these rules, they, they get in trouble. Yeah. And so Jesus says, okay, somebody forces you to walk a mile, right? Well, what do you do? You just keep going. Yeah. You just keep going. And then they're like, no, 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 please stop. Please stop. I want you to, I'll take my pack back. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to keep going. And you just keep walking. And here's this Roman soldier like, flipping out because he knows he's in big trouble if anybody catches you going that second mile yeah so it's not like be a pushover jesus is like yeah do your duty and then (laughs) and then you're gonna screw him yeah which is in a really creative way which is exactly the you know the kind of the same feeling as behind you know what we talked about last week the turn the other cheek it's okay well, if you're going to slap me like I'm not even human, I'm going to turn to you the other side of my face so that you'll have to hit me like a person. Like you'll have to, you'll have to, you know, this is, this is now no longer a slave master to slave interaction, um, second class citizen. We're now, we're going to fight or, or you're going to at least hit me like we are fighting, not like yeah. I am second class to you. Um, so let's let's just clarify that in case anybody didn't listen to last week's yeah. and jumping on. Uh, it's important that Jesus says, um, if someone hits you on the right cheek. So think, I mean, most people are right-handed. There even might be some kind of like cultural thing about only hitting with your right hand. So like think it out, mime it out. If you if you want to hit somebody on your right cheek with your right hand, you've got to backhand them, which is like this really degrading. Right. It's like it's the way a a master hits a slave, it's the way a pimp hits his hoe, you know, it's like it's this de- dirty, degrading, backhanded thing. Uh and so Jesus says, somebody hits you like that, you know, one of these soldiers walking around or you're the person that you're doing day labor for hits you that way, turn to them your left cheek. Like turn and look them in your in the eye assert your humanity force them if they're gonna hit you force them to to really hit you like a human being yeah again like you might get hit it's i mean is it a pushover maybe but it's like when you have no power when your back's against the wall like some of the best way that you can resist is like just saying you're gonna look at me when you do this now there is a I don't know for sure. Um, I can't. I can't give any proof to this, but I had heard it said um, that much like the I can walk with you one mile. You know, I can force you to walk with me one mile, but I can't two. Um, that this 
sort of backhanded slap is something that is actually legally allowable in essence. Like that's, that's not even, that's not a violation of anything. That's not assault. That's perfectly acceptable. You're allowed to backhand someone. But if you were to close a fist and hit them or, you know, slap them with the other side of your hand or whatever, that you have then forced them once again to like they have these laws in place that protect them uh, mm. that protect their oppression of you you are yeah. putting them in another place now where what they would have to do is actually illegal um, I don't again I don't I can't verify whether that's true or not and then the person who I had heard talking about this even went as far as to say that if someone backhands you uh, and it's a Roman guard or whatever and you're a you're a Jew uh, in Palestine then there's nothing you can do about it. But if they hit you on the other side, if they close a fist and hit you, then you have every right to attack them. Then you're in a fight. If you want to fight them, you can fight them. Then you have the legal right to hit them back. Um, hmm. Now, that would be uh, you know, one of those things that maybe would have been cool to be able to ask, and we will um, in a future week, if, if this is part of where... Um, Justin Levitt Pearl would say, I do think that some violent action is necessary, that at times violence is the is is what it sounds like <laughs> when the oppressed have had enough or yeah. Yeah, I don't know about I mean, it's been a while since I read Wink. I mean he he's the one who did all the um sort of historical research on this. So I'd I I'd be interested. I'll go back and check that. Uh the other one, um, selling if, the coat. Yeah, if somebody yeah. if somebody sues you and takes your coat, I mean the context again. It's like, well, this sounds crazy, but there is an actual context that the first hearers would have understood, which is that, like, in Jesus's world, especially the people that he was talking to, a lot of them are, like, laborers who who basically have been extorted out of their land and out of their livelihood. Um, and like, they're just, they're constantly, they're working day, day labor to pay off debts on land that was theirs to begin with. Uh, and every chance that somebody gets to take something from them, they do. Um, and so he says, look, if somebody sues you for your coat, Right sues you for your outer garment uh if you think of like biblical pictures there's the the tunic like the long cloak and then something that you would wear over it like a shawl somebody sues you for your shawl like like that's the only thing you have left to give is the coat off your back and they sue you for it go ahead and strip naked in front of them and just say, here, you want this? You have everything. Like, show them, like, expose the system to them. This is what you're doing. You're taking from me literally the clothes off my back. Just for, have it. for the listener, because they may not know this, um, Joe refers to his genitals as the system. <laughs> so when he says expose the system, that's... You're right, and it's punk rock. <laughs> it's exactly what the Red Hot Chili Peppers did early on when they came out on those punk rock stages wearing nothing but a tube sock. <laughs> <laughs>
They were exposing <laughs> the system. <laughs> I wish I could air quote better on a podcast. Yeah. We need oh, a, man, we I need really a hope sound I didn't ruin for you. air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Expose the system is obviously what we're going to call this episode. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but can, like, can you imagine? Yeah, and can you imagine it. somebody being some, like, poor person uh in a court like think of think of it today in a courtroom and somebody's losing um their house because of their uh because they couldn't get health care because of some pre-existing condition or or whatever and so their medical bill bills piled up and like they're getting crushed under the weight of <laughs> the system as it were um <laughs> And so, as a public spectacle, they just stripped down in the courtroom. Yeah. Right? Can you imagine somebody actually just, the, the yeah. pandemonium, stripping yeah. down and saying, look, you want the clothes off my back? Have them. Uh, it's pretty, Yeah, like, that's the kind of thing Jesus is suggesting, and it's pretty radical. And the other thing that I think is obvious when you see it that way is that Jesus is not saying, when you go to court, you should strip naked, or when someone uh, wants you to carry your pack, you should do that. He's saying, like, here's some examples of ways to get creative uh, when you're being oppressed. He's not, like, these are not conscri- conscriptions for do exactly this. He's saying, do shit like this. Like, yeah. break some things in a funny, clever, creative way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there is a... Uh there there's definitely a power to it like there's there's no way around it that this is a a powerful way to get the attention of and and i think it it needs to be said and that this is probably the biggest pushback of this teaching um because i do think you're right i think m- most people who give real honest thought to this passage of scripture pretty much agree with the Walter Wink teachings of it. Like, there's really... I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there who actually think that Jesus is teaching um, get beat up, and that's good. Or, you know, get walked all over for your whole life, and that's good. Like, that's how we bring heaven to earth, is we just let bad people win. But the the one place where I think you do have to... We do have to acknowledge the pushback, but I, I think there's a pretty reasonable way of acknowledging it, is... There are some people who, once they realize that this is what you're going to do, will take full advantage of it. They will recognize, like, oh, I backhanded you, and you you want me to hit you again? All right. <laughs> I'll hit you again. Uh, you carried my things for a mile, and you're just going to keep going for as long as you... Okay. All right. I don't care. I don't care about this. I'm not worried that somebody's coming after me here. And I think there is, it's worth saying here that Jesus perhaps has a way of kind of addressing that as saying, like, some people are just so shitty that, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, there is a, there is a line to be drawn somewhat. Like, some people are, are just going to be that terrible. They're not going to get the point of the protest. Do we have anything to kind of say to that? I mean... 
Well, I mean, I it think seems that, it goes... that this is a great way of addressing the most normal, perhaps, people within this society. Who, like, that some people might actually see this kind of protest and say, oh, yeah, I never really thought about how unfair and ridiculous this is. I'm never going to ask somebody to carry my things for me for a mile again. I'm never going to do that again. Like, yeah, yeah, I think right. the average person might actually come to that conclusion. Like, after they backhand someone as a second-class citizen, and then that person stands up and says, well, if you're going to hit me, hit me. Um, that a lot of people, most people, would be like, well, I don't, I don't want to now. <laughs> um, what is there to say to those who aren't like that? What, what is there to say to the, the worst of the worst? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that goes to the to the point that I was making earlier about like Jesus is not telling you to do these things exactly. Mm-hmm. What he's he's giving some really interesting creative examples of how to resist nonviolently. Uh, there's a there's another theologian, Latinx theologian, Miguel de la Torre, who says that Jesus has an ethics of hoder, which is the Spanish word for fuck. <laughs> uh, and it basically he says like Jesus was in the business of fucking shit up. Like mm. that's, that's the point that, of that he's making in this passage is like, there are these systems of oppression and like, they're going to, they're, they're going to trample you until kingdom come literally. Yeah. Um, so like throw a monkey wrench in when you can. Like get a get a poke in when you can, and so you know if it's you know if it's you got the guy who um doesn't care if you walk two miles with his bag, he's gonna if you walk two, he's gonna make you walk three. Well, slip a dead fish in there when he's not looking, right? <laughs> or whatever. Like the point is, yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. is offering a subversive ethic of there are oppressive systems that are just here with us and we're not gonna you know i think i think this is part of and this is this is controversial but this is like um this is the work that i'm doing on my dissertation i think jesus was a um an apocalyptic preacher i think he thought that the that god was going to step in and dramatically change like was going to expel these Roman soldiers and, and so forth. So like Jesus wasn't really interested in systematic change. Yeah. Right. Jesus wasn't, that wasn't, well, I mean he was, but he thought that God was going to do that. Right. So he wasn't interested in, in sort of politically organizing for systematic change. Instead, he was like, these, these systems are dying. They're going to die. Like God's going to destroy them. So let's just like make fun of them for now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just make them feel stupid. I do see that. And, and, you know, maybe a, maybe a final thought from me on this is, um, I do think, I think everything you said seems true to me, seems correct to me. Um, I do also think that underneath everything that is said in Matthew five thirty eight through 42, all, all of these verses, all of these different statements beneath it all. And that's why I'm excited for in our next episode, 
that we're going to hopefully get to talk to Justin about this. Um, I think Jesus has a really high standard or a really like is. I get the impression he is 100 percent opposed to any type of violent action. And he's not opposed to ruining the system. He's not opposed to fucking shit up, <laughs> as you, as, as perhaps this. Uh, <coughs> I don't know who you who you just quoted, but yeah, not opposed to any of that. But the one thing that he does seem to be opposed to in both teaching and in the model of his life is ever raising a fist against another person. Um, Yes, he says, turn the other cheek. Yes, he he teaches these things that maybe give you a legal right to then physically attack someone, uh, get into a fight, or you know. But he doesn't actually do that when he has the opportunity to. He doesn't actually ever give that caveat or say. And once they hit you the second time, then you can hit them back. Or so I. I do think there is a the highest ethic here. You know, I mean, there is a goal to say these systems are stupid and you're going to acknowledge that you, you not treating me like a full human. That's idiotic. And you're going to, I'm going to help you see how idiotic that is. But even beyond that and bigger than that, I do think Jesus operates by an ethic where you do no harm. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's uh, <clears throat> I think that's exactly right. And that's kind of that's Wink's larger point is that. Jesus was aggressively nonviolent, just like completely nonviolent. Um, but it's not because he's being nice and kind and gentle. Mm-hmm. He's nonviolent because that's the way that he is being. That's that's the most powerful tool that he had in his belt. To, yeah, to upend the system. Well, and it's the it's the age old <clears throat> adage like. You don't fire. You don't fight fire with fire, like violence begets violence. Even if right. Jesus leads a violent revolution to overthrow the violent oppression, then the only way to maintain that revolution is continued violence and it's oppression. oppression. Like that's yeah. that's the only way that it can. It's the we. I've made this point a couple of times before. Uh, I don't know that I've ever really made it well, but it works for me. Is this whole like. It's a, a huge reason why the the more traditional evangelical hell doctrine doesn't work for me. Because at the end of the day, if Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler are burned in hell for all of eternity by God, then ultimately what God has demonstrated is that they were correct <laughs> in the way that they right. lived their life. Like, yeah, the most powerful people should torture the weakest people unless they come to their side. It's like, well, yeah, that's what Hitler did. Duh. That's what Donald Trump yep. did, or at least aimed to do. And so ultimately, the the more traditional thinking of God and teaching of, you know, hell doctrines was like become an evangelical or burn in hell for all of eternity. It's just that. It's just saying violent oppression is ultimately, and and I have such a, I take a real issue with that to call that Christian, to call that, Jesus um, when right. we see Jesus refusing to participate in that even even to death I mean even all the way up to like when his when he is 
captured to be murdered or to be publicly executed, one of the members of his posse draws a sword and swings it at someone, and he condemns them. He condemns Peter for swinging a sword, not condemning the people who have come to murder him and everyone else present. Even Judas, Judas who betrays him with a kiss, and like <laughs> Jesus doesn't, be- doesn't even condemn Judas. He says, do what you've come to do. You're not one of us. Right. And we won't <clears throat> stoop can to this I, level. Can I change gears just for a minute? Like, I mean, do we have enough time? I, yeah. I don't think this won't be a long point. No. But it's related to this passage, but kind of different angle. I don't know anything. You know, I don't claim to, to have any, like, knowledge of the sociology of poverty or how you help people in poverty um what kind of systems need to be in place or whatever but you know when we were growing up um you know we grew up in Beckley West Virginia there weren't a lot of like just there there're not a lot of homeless people around uh certainly not a lot of people like panhandling and things but you came across it from time to time and you know it would happen if you were on youth trips to other places in the country and um and all of the, like every bit of the wisdom that I ever heard growing up surrounding this was like, you never give money to mm-hmm. anybody because they're just going to buy booze with it. Yep. <laughs> right. And like, you just basically like, there was no other solution. It wasn't like, so instead let's invest in social services. It was just like, no, you don't, you don't give because they're just going to abuse it. Yeah. Uh, people are just going to abuse the, the generosity, whatever. So let's just, we won't like that was, that was common. Was that your experience? Yeah. Well, the same, it's the same exact mindset as, um, can you believe that McDonald's is paying $15 an hour now? These exactly. people who like yeah. threw away their life and didn't, couldn't get a, a good job and didn't go to college and all that. And now they're making $15. And now <laughs> I like, have to pay. 15 yeah. cents more for my Big Mac. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> which, so which, by the way, $15 an hour, I just, on that note, is uh, $28,000 a year <laughs> if they right. work full-time. So someone, we're we're real upset that someone's working full-time, working their ass off in a kitchen uh, sweatshop for, you know, 2,000 hours a year for 28 year. grand. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's too much. Anyways, right. but yes, yeah, I was ridiculous. definitely brought up on that, and I, that's the thing I hear more frequently right now is the, you know, people don't want to the work. They just want something from the system. They don't want, and, right. and like, really the issue is mostly that, is like, well, yeah, people can't survive on, on what they can pay. Yeah. So, okay, so I bring all that up to say, this is just a clear, like, this is one of those statements that, like, Especially for the people who want to be like, I just listened to what Jesus says. Give to anyone who begs from you. Like, there's no, there's no context about that. There's no like, Jesus is not like, well, unless you think they're gonna buy wine with it. Yeah. Just give. If somebody begs from you, give, give them money. <laughs> like. Yeah. Nobody. I never heard anybody say this in my right. church growing up. The words of G, they're in red letters, and we're like, 
Nah, they're just gonna buy wine with it. <laughs> right. No, you're absolutely right. That's a, and and I don't see it as much of a. a it is a sidestep a little bit from the the violence conversation, but it's it's very much the same 